Welcome to the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This podcast was created as a way to provide education and connection to the women of Middle Tennessee. My goal is to connect you with local women's health and fitness providers so you know what services are available in your area. I am your host, Amy Bailey. I'm a local women's health physical therapist, yoga instructor, and life coach. Thank you for joining the podcast and being a part of this amazing community. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. It's me, Amy Bailey, and I have Sarah England back with me with Refinery Wellness, and we are talking about one of my favorite topics today. I'm so excited. We are going to dig into hormones and talk all about everything you've ever wanted to know about hormones. So thank you, Sarah, so much for joining me. Thank you, Amy. I'm so excited to be back. This is going to be fun. This is one of my favorite topics. Me too. I have been wanting to get you back on to talk about hormones. And so I'm glad we got you in during this crazy pandemic. We kind of have a little extra time to do this. I know. It works out great. I, um, this is a, a big area of my practice, so I'm excited to kind of dive in with you. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things that people just don't know enough about. They don't know what to ask. They don't understand hormones. We all, I think hormones get such a bad rap. You they know? do. They do. <laughs> and being a little off. Oh, it must be her hormones. Right. Yeah. People use the term like I'm hormonal and like it, it just kind of has this negative connotation with it and it really shouldn't. I mean, you know, Yes, there's a lot of hormone imbalance that people are dealing with, but in general, we want to think of hormones as positive things because they can really help us feel our best and truly live our best life. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the more we understand it, the more we can adapt and not just kind of write it off, oh, it's hormones. We can recognize when they're a little off and when they're supposed to be a little down. Yes. And and then too, like, you know, it, it doesn't take much. Um, to kind of learn and kind of gather some tools and know how to kind of recalibrate yourself if you need to, depending on, you know, your age and stage of life. It's, it's possible to do that. So that's exciting. You don't have to feel bad if you're dealing with hormone imbalance. You don't have to just settle for that. So Right. And I think as I'm getting older, I finally, I think, accepted during this pandemic that I'm aging. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like, I've always kind of uh, posted about this, but been young at heart. And so I've never really identified with my age. And um, the more I've kind of just been at home, I'm like, oh, you know, my hormones are probably changing. I might need to learn a little bit more about this. But I think um, as we go through different stages in life, understanding we have hormonal shifts and that's normal and that's okay. Yes, that's a great point. And, you know, hormone balance looks different um, for different ages and stages of life, I guess is how I want to say that, you know, so... Um, I, I love that you're kind of tuning into what's going on with you and just kind of considering like, okay, I could be experiencing some shifts here. Like, what do I need to do about it? Or do I need to do anything about it? You know? So I'm technically in the age of perimenopause, which sounds crazy. I don't have any of the recognizable symptoms yet, but okay. I know the more I learn about it, I'm like, well, that's my age group. <laughs> Yes. Any day now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Experience something. But I think understanding it before it happens can help keep you on top of things too. Absolutely. I mean, I have worked with so many patients who come to me with various symptoms and they're just kind of at a loss. Like what could, what could possibly be causing this? Mm-hmm. And for the first time I'm like, you know, let's consider what's going on with like your sex and adrenal hormones. And, you know, a lot of, 
these people I'm referring to, it's like they hadn't worked with an integrative or functional provider before. So hormones were never part of the workup. Um, And so it's kind of just like shedding light on this whole new area of influence that is absolutely affecting them throughout their day, throughout their night of sleep. Um, it's, It's a big deal. And so it's fun to shed light on a new area of information. And then if there are imbalances there to work to correct those, because a lot of times it's just life changing. It's all about um, quality of life, in my opinion. Like that's why I care so much about hormone balance for men and for women. It's like you want to feel as good as you possibly can feel day in and day out. And your hormones have everything to do with that. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I love that. And we have different needs at different stages of our life too. Absolutely. Okay, so just going back a little bit, tell us, I mean, what are hormones? So hormones, you can kind of think of them, like I, I try to keep this very simple. I, I like to try to simplify this because there's so much information about hormones out there. It can just be overwhelming. Um, but in general, think of hormones as like little chemical messengers. Um, so they communicate, uh, they're produced by glands within your body. You have many different glands that are producing these chemical messengers. But basically they send signals and they help your like all of your metabolic functions within your body they help facilitate those they help them happen if that makes sense yeah it does so they basically help um they're they're just they're kind of like this in-depth um communication system Mm. essentially and it just helps other things happen and so when when you don't have enough of a certain message or if the message is um getting sent to the wrong place it's not received at the right place you know things go awry and you don't feel well. So you you want to have um, hormone balance so that processes work well so that you can feel your best um, mentally and then also physically as well. So what can people look for if their hormones are off balance? What are some of the symptoms? Oh my gosh. So um, oh, it's, it's a lot of things that lot. people commonly deal with. So you might have like headaches, you might have brain fog. Um, You might have been told like you're depressed. You might be experiencing weight gain. Um, You might have no libido or no interest in sex. Um, You might be sleeping very poorly. Maybe you slept well most of your life and then all of a sudden your sleep is just shoddy. It's like, what's going on? What's causing this? Um, Some people wake up with night sweats. Some people just are dragging, like they're really tired, really not motivated. Um, I, I work with... I see this a lot too, like hormone imbalance can actually affect your skin. Mm. Um, So you might have really dry skin or crepey skin. Um, You can even have skin disease kind of like, like breakouts even. Um, I see that a lot with like estrogen dominance. So gosh, constipation. I mean, it it affects your digestion. It affects your thinking. It affects uh, just everything and overall energy. um, I'm probably kind of repeating myself and overlapping with some of those, but those are what I see the most of. And I kind of, when people kind of start listing off things like that immediately, I'm thinking, all right, what's going on with your hormones? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times people may go to their normal primary care provider and get some blood work for anemia or something like that yes. to check into the hormones. Right. And, um, oh, I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I, I really didn't learn about hormones, um, at much at all in my conventional training. It wasn't until functional training that I really dove in and really began to understand like how sex hormones work, the role they play, same thing for adrenal hormones. Um, And all of these impact us in such big ways. I was 
floored that this was not part of my conventional education because it matters so much. Um, but what you said is true. So like, you know, maybe, um, maybe a person male or female, like they felt good most of their life. And then they start to just find that they're so tired. Um, they're not thinking clearly, maybe they've lost interest in sex and I don't know, maybe a few of those other, um, symptoms thrown in there, but they go to their um, GP and so they get some blood work done and then the blood work comes back and it's like, Oh, you're normal. Like it's fine. But nothing was really looked at, you know, below the surface. So I think, um, I'll just tell you, like in practice, I use the Dutch test by precision analytical a lot. And I am so thankful for that tool because it has helped me help so many people. It looks at sex hormones. It looks at the way you metabolize sex hormones and it looks at adrenal hormones and your cortisol pattern. We all have a cortisol pattern. We can talk more about that if you want to, but there's yeah. so much that we have to take into consideration. And it's just, it's just so sad because, um, it's not part of a standard workup. And, you know, think of how many people, you know, who, who complain of, Oh, I'm fatigued. Oh, I can't think straight. Like I'm looking for my phone and I'm holding it. Um, I don't want to get out of bed today. I don't want to get dressed today. I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm not interested in sex at all. Um, I have headaches like all the time or with a certain, if for females with a certain part of my cycle, you know what I mean? It's like those complaints are so common and they're not really being investigated in the conventional sphere yet. And I just think it's such a disservice to, to patients. And so that's, I mean, I, I do a ton of that in practice because I just think it, there's a, there's a need. Um, yeah. And I really do like introducing people to the new, not new necessarily, but just the, the other functional testing methods that we have um, because they just offer a wealth of useful information. And I love, I love the testing because it gives us direction. You know, we're not guessing at that point. Yeah. You know, a lot of people that I work with, they're new moms or mm -hmm. even their older moms and they're just in a busy stage of life. So the things you were talking about, like low sex drive, fatigue, brain fog, a lot of times that's just chalked up to, oh, you're a busy mom. Yeah. It's like swept under the rug. It's yeah. kind of dismissed. And I, that fires me up because I'm <laughs> like, no, this is real. Something's going on. You're not supposed to just settle for feeling tired and frazzled yes. all the time. Like we can improve your quality of life. Let's dive in. I love that. Don't settle. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got to advocate for yourself. I'm always trying to encourage people like you've got to advocate for yourself and for your own health. And like one point that I make quite a lot is, um, so you're a mom, you can probably relate to this. Like if, if your child was having issues like this that were affecting them day in and day out and just kind of slowing them down, like kind of keeping them from just their best life. Um, they're just kind of floating along suboptimal. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, just ignore that. Like you would keep searching for answers and help until you got your child functioning at their highest level. So they're enjoying their life to the fullest. But a lot of times I have, I've worked with women who it's easier to just kind of say, okay, well, doctor said it's normal. Like, I guess it is. I guess it's just part of my life now. Uh, and I just say, no, like reject that. I want you, I want you to advocate for yourself and keep asking questions. And that's kind of where like Dutch test and and really functional integrative medicine comes in because we are looking at this stuff and it's, it is just, it's so useful. I can't, we could have, we could have several other episodes just yeah. talking about how useful it's been, you know, we might need to do that. So tell everybody about the Dutch test. Is it a blood test? Is it a urine test? For our so, listeners who don't know anything. Okay. So 
um, this is this truly is one of my favorite um, my favorite functional tests. And so Dutch is an acronym. It stands for Dried Urine Test for Comprehensive Hormones. And the lab that created this test is called Precision Analytical, and they are located out in Oregon. But the test itself, um, I am a huge fan because it is it is easy um, to collect compared to having to like carry a jug around and collect your urine for 24 hours. Like who wants to do that? Who even has time for that? Um, the, the Dutch test has kind of like, they made it simple to get this information. Um, in the past there was, there really wasn't a, a better way. Like you would have to do the 24 hour urine, which, you know, a lot of people just weren't up for that. So anyway, um, it basically, there are four to five strips of filtered paper and it's a urine test. So what you're going to do is you're going to urinate on the filtered paper um, and then you set it out to dry for 24 hours. Um, but there are different collection times. So the first collection time is going to be around dinner time. And then the next collection time is around bedtime. And then if you're someone who wakes up overnight, you're going to collect um, at whenever you wake up overnight, if you void, and then the next collection time is uh, right away in the morning. First thing when you wake up, I tell people, do not lie there. Like, you've got to get up and go to the bathroom. Um, and then two hours after that. And so when you do those four to five collection times, depending on if you wake up overnight or not, um, that is what gives us about four to five pages of just gold, like pure solid, solid gold. <laughs> it is so useful. Um, so the first page will tell you about sex hormones specifically. So. Um, we'll look at estrogen, we'll look at progesterone, we'll look at testosterone, um, we'll look at DHEA, we will look at free metabolized cortisol and your cortisol pattern. Now, several other, I mean, the, pay, the, the test is really well done, the report is really well done, so you can look at it in list fashion, or there are also like images. So I love that they do pictures because I'm a visual person, and that seems to have helped a lot of my clients too, just help them understand what we're looking at and where they fall on like what's normal and where we want to be. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it looks at not only the, like the number, total number of your hormones, it's like say, like let's talk about estrogen, for example. So it'll show us um, estradiol, and I'll show us where you stand. But then a couple pages later, it will also show us your estrogen metabolism pattern. So this information is so valuable. Like I, I honestly wish every single person could have this information about themselves because this can really protect you in the long run. Um, when it, it shows us how you like tend to break down your estrogen. And I use this analogy that I learned from Dr. Carrie Jones, who works for, she's the medical director at Precision Analytical, the lab that created Dutch Test. Um, but she talks about uh, think of your estrogens as little cars, and they have different routes they can take to leave your body. Uh, you know, they're being metabolized, broken down, um, and we want to clear estrogen very effectively. And this is something a lot of people in our country are not doing well anymore for a lot of reasons. Um, but anyway, you think of your estrogen as little cars, and they can take the different pathways out of your body. So you have 2-hydroxy highway, which is the safest option, the safest route, and you want you want to be... I don't know, close to like 60 to 80% of your estrogen cars leaving on that route. Now you have 16 hydroxy highway and you want anywhere from like 13 to 30%, I believe, leaving on that highway. That one's like a little, a little more trafficy. We could call it Franklin Road or something. Um, 
And then you have your 4-hydroxy highway, which is the most dangerous um, pathway. And you want under 12% of your estrogen cars leaving your body on that highway um, because that highway be is, is more associated with um, development of like estrogen-dependent cancers, things like that. So think about breast, colon, ovarian. Um, it, it can be a problem. And so, you know, I, I tend to run this test on – all my patients who have like a family history of breast cancer or even personal history of it, because a lot of times I believe it has like their estrogen metabolism hasn't been looked at. And there's a lot we can do to kind of redirect traffic there actually. Um, so anyway, that's, that's just one example, but I love the test because it looks at the level of the hormone and then how you metabolize it. And then, um, you know, it's not only looking at your sex hormones, it's looking at your, your adrenal um, output. So we're looking at DHEA, we're looking at cortisol. I really love seeing the, um, the adrenal um, cortisol pattern because this influences how you feel throughout your day in a big, big way. Um, you know, everybody, most people know that um, you associate cortisol with stress, right? And it's produced by the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands are like little party hats that sit on top of your kidneys. Um, and so when you, when you're, basically brain perceives a stressor, it communicates to those adrenal glands, hey, crank out the cortisol, like we've got to handle this. Um, that's a really simple way to put it. But you, I, I see people who are producing um, excessive amounts of cortisol, maybe at the inappropriate time of day or night, rather. Yeah. I see that a lot. Um, or I, I also see people who they, they're dealing with insufficiency. So maybe they are someone who has just lived with like, they have had a stressful life situation for decades. And it's just finally caught up to them. And so their adrenals are not producing cortisol in proper amounts and they feel it. They are dragging. They are flat. They cannot get going in the morning. Um, so anyway, it's fun to see a pattern because I will have people come in and they're complaining like, hey, Sarah, I feel pretty good throughout most of my day. But when three o'clock rolls around, I'm just gassed. Like I am out of gas. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why that is. I have four kids, so this really isn't working for my family. Like, can you help me? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, say we run a Dutch and then we get to that page with the cortisol pattern and they are flatlined in that afternoon collection. It all makes sense. Yeah. And so that, you know, say they weren't flatlined though, that would help me know I need to investigate something else. Right. Um, but a lot of times it matches what they're coming in complaining of. And it is, um, I mean, I've had people in tears, like, it's just so validating. It's like, you're not lazy. Like it's not that you're just getting older and you can't keep up. It's like you need some adrenal support and that's okay. So I love it because it's do what? I'm sorry. You're not just depressed because right. I I'm just depressed and they're mm. not clinically depressed. They're not sad even. They're right. Sad. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. You're exactly right. Um, and so it's so fun to see it on paper because it's like back to, I mean, I, I repeat myself saying this all the time, but it's like, we're not guessing. And I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think that information, you know, seeing the cortisol pattern is so useful. Um, the, the last page of the test actually has several other useful and kind of fun pieces of information. They look at a few organic acids. So they look at um, B12 status, B6 status, and then glutathione status. And then also look at a few of the neurotransmitter markers. So like epinephrine, norepinephrine. So you can kind of see what's going on with catecholamines. Um, dopamine is looked at. They took serotonin metabolite off. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Melatonin, critically important. Oh my gosh. That is fun to see. Most people are not making enough. And, you know, blue light exposure, 
after sunset is, is usually the biggest culprit that's, that's getting in the way of that. Um, so I like seeing that on paper because I say, Hey, you've got to, you've got to wear those blue blockers or you've got to turn the screen off after sunset or, you know, whatever, um, whatever it needs to be. But the last marker is called 80HDG. It's a marker of inflammation. And I like seeing that because, you know, this kind of, this kind of chronic stealth, um, maybe even low grade inflammation that people kind of live with, it is, it's wreaking havoc on people. And so when you can kind of see where you stand with inflammation with this 80HDG marker, not only do you have like a baseline, I tell people, I'm like, something should ever happen to you in the future. Like, say you get a cancer diagnosis, you can come back and you can say, okay, in May of 2020, here's where I stood. Where am I now? And what's gone on between now and then, you know, that kind of thing. But it's, it's nice to have that inflammation marker because I can also kind of piece together how that might be contributing to whatever hormone imbalance they're dealing with as well. So, um, and then of course, retest is fun because you can kind of compare and see where people are, but so yeah. how long does it take to get the results back generally after uh, the first time? I would say Dutch is usually, I mean, usually like three to four weeks. Okay. Um, it's been quicker just because I think, I think, I think maybe they're doing less tests, you know, just with the quarantine. I don't know. People are providers um, less probably right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a great way to say it, way to frame it. Um, so, you know, I would say two to three weeks if okay. someone was doing one soon, because that was my experience. It was like two and a half weeks. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah. So then let's say, and we can talk about interventions and suggestions later, but you mentioned the retest. How long yes. typically would you wait for whatever you prescribed to give an effect before you would retest? So like probably the earliest I would do, probably the earliest I do is like three, three months. Yeah. Um, things because change they, time. they do. And, and, you know, I always, with my clients, I let them make the decision about retesting because it's their money. You know what I mean? I want to retest everyone <laughs> so we can, I can see what's going on, but, uh, I don't, I'm not pushy about that. I, you know, I have some clients who want to know for themselves too. And then I have some people who say, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I feel awesome. Like, sorry, Sarah. And I'm just like, that's okay. I'm just glad you're feeling good. Um, I think but that's yeah, what it matters is the quality of life. How do I feel? Some people absolutely want the numbers and the objective, but if you yes, you feel better. Well, and I'm with you because I I will even I've had other providers ask me, well, how do you know? Like, how do you know that what you're doing is working? And I'm like, look, I'm not in control of the budget, and so I don't get to choose if we retest. You know, with every single person. Of course, I would love to have that data, but I'm happy when my clients feel better. Yes. That's my most important. I'm more concerned with that than me selfishly, like having my data and being able to say, look at this improvement. You know what I mean? Nerding out on the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I, if you can't tell, I am a huge fan of the Dutch test. It's really easy to collect. I mean, you can, like, I've shipped these kits. Of course, when I was seeing people in person, I gave them the kit at my office. But, like, I can ship these kits to people's homes they can do the collection and then they mail it into the lab and then we've got their results. And so it's, um, you know, it's not on hold during this kind of strange pandemic time for anyone who's interested. I mean, you can get a Dutch test and um, gosh, is it a worthy investment? It really is for men and for women. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's talk about hormones just throughout the lifespan. Um, okay. 
Can we focus on just women? I know men could yeah. have a separate episode, honestly. Um, yes. But just for the sake of simplicity, maybe today, just talk about women's health. And- yes. Um, so, gosh, um, hormones. <laughs> hormones just influence us as females all throughout our life. Um, all, like, you know, they kind of see us through different ages and stages of life. And when hormones are off, you can feel bad and deal with different complications. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a teen or, you know, young adult or perimenopausal or postmenopausal, like hormones have influence over you. And so you just, I think it's so important to have awareness of that. Um, because like I was kind of saying at the beginning, like if you can kind of pick up on things and consider like, Oh, maybe this is, maybe this is something to do with my hormones or maybe this is like a shift that I'm experiencing. You can kind of know how to help yourself essentially. Um, so for females, um, obviously, you know, you think about like a cycling female, um, your hormones play a tremendous role in that. So mostly what I'm talking about at that point is like estrogen and progesterone. Um, and estrogen and progesterone dictate, you know, kind of your cycles. I will tell you that the most, the two most common, um, imbalances that I see are like estrogen, more of an estrogen dominant state. Um, and then like progesterone deficiency and the progesterone deficiency is something that I'm really concerned about because I mean, I'm concerned about all of it, but I have people who, um, are miscarrying, you know, yeah. I have people who cannot maintain pregnancies. I have people who have terrible headaches, terrible PMS, um, kind of leading right up to their period. We can usually pin that on like low progesterone. Um, and it's, you know, I don't know. It seems to me there's an epidemic of progesterone deficiency. Um, and it kind of, it's, there's no sense of urgency. In my opinion, there's no sense of urgency in the conventional, like obstetrics gynecology world to kind of see like, Hey, what is causing this? You know what I mean? Um, I have a lot of clients who are of childbearing age and whether they're actively trying to get pregnant or like that's a goal for them in the future. Like I'm concerned about their ability to manufacture progesterone in proper amounts, you know? And, um, so anyway, that, that, that deficiency is something that I see quite a bit. Um, now progesterone deficiency, I will just stick with that topic for a second. Um, it's a huge problem for a lot of people who ladies who are in perimenopause and even who are postmenopausal. Um, that is something that can contribute to poor sleep. Um, I, I see so many women who feel anxious, just kind of like, um, it's a lot of people who would call themselves like, I'm just type A. And I'm like, no, you just have low progesterone and don't know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's not always the case. I'm kind of joking, but, but that has been true um, for mm-hmm. several of my clients. So anyway, it's low progesterone is not, um, it doesn't discriminate just to like cycling females. You know, we've got perimenopausal and postmenopausal um, groups who also deal with these symptoms of insomnia, I would say weight gain is frustrating one. I would say um, digestive dysfunction even, but I do think the mood mood dysregulation is, uh, the progesterone deficiency is a huge culprit behind a lot of mood dysregulation. I'll say it that way. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, testosterone is another uh, critically important hormone. And yes, as females, we want to have enough testosterone because we want to have enough motivation. We want to have a libido. Uh, I think, I think having a healthy libido, that's like your barometer. You know what I mean? People don't really like to talk about it, but you want to have a libido. So when your libido is lost, like that's, that's a, 
that's a signal that hormones, um, hormone imbalance is, is probably affecting you. Um, you want to be able to build muscle and, you know, that's for a lot of reasons, but you want to be able to maintain muscle mass, you know, as you age, um, just to protect yourself and to brain health. Yes. Yes. So I, um, I, you know, I really just stuck to like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone right there, but they're so critically important and it's just kind of like a delicate balance. There's so much that threatens our hormone balance. Um, you know, it, it, you really can go back to basic basics and even without having the testing information, you can influence your hormones big time. Um, just being very mindful of stress, very mindful of nutrition, very mindful of sleep, very mindful of light, hydration. I mean, all of these things, um, screen time, we could really dive into all of that stuff, but there's so much you can do to influence your hormones and improve the way that you feel like say if testing wasn't in your budget right now. So what are some recommendations? Let's tackle nutrition first. Okay. So the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest enemy of your hormones, um, that, that is, it's just everywhere. It's readily available to us, but I think refined sugar is, is a huge problem. Um, because it, it not only will kind of knock off your hormone balance, it, it totally depletes, um, and disrupts neurotransmitter balance as well. So, you know, people ride this mood roller coaster, um, and it's exhausting. Yeah. right? Sugar crash, they're slave to cravings. Um, their mood is not stable. And that's all like, that's exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about quality of life. Like you want to have a stable mood throughout your day. You want to be able to think clearly. You don't want to be slave to like, I've got to have chocolate or I've got to have, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I do think refined sugar is like public enemy number one. And so if you can avoid that, like just start there. Um, now I will say this, a lot of times when people have sugar addiction, like there's a candida or yeast issue overgrowth, which is a whole nother thing, um, that you definitely want to address, um, that could make it easier to abstain from sugar in the long run. Right. But anyway, uh, I think refined sugar is your biggest enemy. So outside of that, like you just want to eat real food. If you can avoid processed food, please do it. Um, you will be, you will be supporting hormone balance. Like you want to eat real food. You want to eat the rainbow. And this is huge. Um, if you are going to give yourself a shot at hormone balance, you have to have to have to eat healthy fats. Um, I have, I have worked with women who, you know, we're still kind of stuck on the narrative of like, fat's bad. Like fat makes you fat. And it's just like, let's debunk that right now. Like you have to have fat in your diet because you need those healthy fats. You've got to eat them um, so that you have a shot at having uh, basically what is the backbone for all of your sex hormones. If you're not taking in healthy fats, you can't have, you won't have enough cholesterol, which you need if you're going to make pregnenolone and then you're going to make progesterone and let's back up, go to pregnenolone, go to estrogen, go to um, testosterone, go to DHEA, go to cortisol, go to vitamin D. I mean, you've got to have healthy fats if you're going to have enough of any or all of those things. So diet is critically important. Like that's, that is a huge area of focus for me when I'm working with clients because like a lot of people are still scared of fat. Um, so I just want to encourage people like you, you want to have like you, this stuff is good. This stuff is your friend and you've got to have it if you're going to be able to build and manufacture your sex hormones. I think just tracking your diet for a week is so helpful. That's, that's a great, I, yeah, that's a great point. Surprising. Honestly, like I did that. I had a recommendation from a nutritionist to do that and I eat healthy or I think I do. (laughs) 
Yes. But I was surprised at how much I wasn't getting in my diet. I just tracked it for one week. That's a really great idea. Okay. So to anyone who's listening, if you have not done that, I think that's a, a wonderful place to start because you want to, you want to be aware of your, especially I'm just going to, I'm stuck on it right now, but you want to be aware of your fat intake. Yeah. Um, if, if hormone balance is what your ultimate goal is. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I am a vegetarian, and so I wasn't getting enough fat or protein, which protein doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know I wasn't getting enough fat. I was eating uh-huh. a auto a day and still not getting enough fat. Uh-huh. So Gosh. I think it's interesting. Like when you yeah. look at it, I think everybody should every now and then dig into their own health and see what they're eating. Yes. And, and other I, factors too, but yeah. I agree. And, you know, so the the biggest thing is just staying away from fake food, stay away from refined sugar, stay away from processed food, eat real nutrient dense food and make sure you're getting plenty of those healthy fats. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about sleep. Okay. Sleep is so important. Oh my gosh. And there's so much that there's so much that threatens our sleep just in our modern world. But, um, if you, if you are going to experience hormone balance on a regular basis, like you've got to be sleeping really well. And when I talk about sleeping well, I want you to be falling asleep with ease. I want you to be staying asleep overnight and I want you to be waking up feeling rested. And this is not the case for a lot of people. You make that sound so easy. <laughs> right? It's like, sure, Sarah. Okay. Got it. Um, <laughs> no, I hear, but, you know, I don't wake up rested. Um, mm-hmm. I can't go to sleep. My mind's busy. I can't turn it off or I'll wake up in the middle of the night. Yes. I so I have found that I, um, at least in my experience, like there are three things that really seem to influence sleep or, or, um, mess with sleep. And one of them is too much cortisol. So these people, um, a lot of times they talk about like, I, my body is so tired, but like I lay down and then my mind is like racing. So kind of a wired and tired type situation. I hear that one a lot. Oftentimes, the culprit is just like excess amounts of cortisol. So, like one of my favorite treatments for that, I love phosphatidylserine. It's like a little Pac-Man comes in and chews up that excess cortisol, um, which is important to me because I need you to be falling asleep with ease and then staying asleep overnight, kind of like we talked about. Um, now, I will tell you another another common situ- scenario that I see a lot is like low progesterone. So, actually, if you aren't making enough progesterone, that can really that can affect your sleep. Um, so I do a lot of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. I use a ton of bioidentical progesterone and I feel really, I feel great about doing that. Um, patients have really great results with it and it's really safe. Um, but it's a, you know, it's, it's a really common issue and it's not looked at as a part of a conventional workup. So like if, if a, if a woman is not sleeping well and she goes to see her GP and it's just like, I can't sleep, blah, blah, blah. Like, progesterone is not even considered, you know, it's not part of a differential diagnosis, low, low progesterone. So I, um, I'm so excited when people take that brave step out of the conventional realm because there's so much that we can look into and like, you don't need an Ambien prescription probably. Right. And I don't like the side effect profile of Ambien, which is why I'm saying that, you know, um, I would much prefer to address a progesterone deficiency and correct your sleep that way if we can, you know, Um, now I will tell you when it comes to those people who like in the morning, they're just kind of dragging, like can't get going. Um, that it could be, it could be several things, but a lot of times I see, um, inappropriate, like 
like a, it's it's uh, adrenal dysfunction basically. So is it there's there's several things to consider with that. Like, is it a problem at the level of the adrenals or is there a problem with the communication from the brain to the adrenals? Like not sending that signal, like, Hey, crank up the cortisol. We're trying to start our day. You know, um, cortisol gets a bad rap because a lot of people run around with chronically elevated cortisol. It disrupts their sleep. Like we were talking about a second ago, but actually we need cortisol and you want to have that morning rise in cortisol every single day because it helps you get up and helps you get going and feeling like, well, it's, you know, a beautiful, it's a beautiful day. I can, I can, I've got it. Whatever my day holds, I've got it. And a lot of people don't feel like that. So cortisol dysfunction is often to blame. Um, I do actually see a lot of low testosterone in women too. And that's a problem because, you know, testosterone plays a huge role in just like our motivation, um, our outlook, our hunger for like, Hey, I've got stuff to do today. Let's get it done. You know, as opposed to like, I don't even want to get dressed or wash my face or brush my teeth. Um, you know, like a lot of people who may have ladies who may have like low T and may also have adrenal dysfunction. Like they may not, they may not get ready. Like they may have been someone who really used to fix their hair. They maybe did their makeup, they would get dressed and they just kind of don't do any of that stuff anymore. Like a lot of times that clues me into like a low T situation or adrenal dysfunction or both. Um, so because it I is. feel like so often these people would get prescribed an antidepressant. Oh, they would. They 100% SSRIs all day. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, they, they just, um, those can just be so devastating, you know? And so I, I just, I can't wait for the day where hormones are considered kind of like on the front line. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for providers like you and I and, and other providers in this community, like we're trying to make that happen. And I'm so excited about that because it's to the benefit of the patients in the community. Um, hormone balance, there's not a person who's not affected by like what their hormones are doing. And so you want to have awareness of um, how you feel in your body and you want to consider like, is this situation correctable? Because a lot of times it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the side effects from these treatments are yeah. negligent or very low compared to like SSRIs, like you were talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and you know, I t I've, I'm very proud. I've actually taken more people off prescription drugs than I have prescribed <laughs> to prescription drugs. I love it. But I've helped, I've helped patients taper off SSRIs and sometimes it goes really well um, and sometimes it's brutal and it's really rough on them. And so... Um, and of course I go low and slow and, and try to be as delicate as possible. But like those drugs sometimes have a hold on people. Um, and you know, there's, there's risk of, um, suicidality, you know, there, it, it's not to be taken lightly when that prescription is handed out, even though they are just passed out, um, kind of nonchalantly. So yeah, to answer your question or speak to your point, yeah. I would much rather investigate a person's hormone situation and then address any imbalances that we see, I think that's a much safer route to go. Um, sometimes it does take time. Absolutely. It's not a magic fix. There is no magic pill. There is just not one. Um, but a lot of times these imbalances exist. They just have never been looked at. And so once we can see them on paper or once I can say, hey, you need to consider this could be going on, you know, we can get to work and we can correct the situation or at least improve it. So, and I think it's worth, I think it's worth every bit of effort, um, that a person puts in because it's back to what we were saying at the beginning, like it's quality of life that we're talking about, you know, and, 
Um, you don't have to just accept any of those symptoms that we discussed as like a fact of aging because it's just not, it's not how it's supposed to be. Like it is not how it's supposed to be. And I have to mention this. I didn't, I'm surprised I didn't already say this, but um, females have it rough. So, you know, ladies get called, they get all these words thrown around like crazy um, is one that you hear a lot. And I'm, I'm just like, okay, no, like we're not going to use that language. You have to understand that um, what goes on like with your physiology. So for men, um, you know, they use a term like andropause. So there's kind of like this slow decline, like slow, steady decline of sex hormones for men. So it's much more gradual. Well, you know, you think about for women, the ovaries, when the ovaries go offline, it's, we're, it's game over. You know what I mean? Because they were, they were major producers of your sex hormones, which kept you feeling a certain way for most of your life. And so while men, men experience this kind of like gradual decline in those levels, females, it's a pretty steep drop off and it's pretty brutal. Um, and so that's when, you know, people, people start to experience mood swings or weight gain or can't sleep or hot flashes, or, um, they're just so irritable and they were never that way before, you know, uh, you're not crazy. It's just what's going on with your physiology. And, you know, in that season of life, menopause, postmenopause, like there are ways to support yourself so that you do not feel lousy. And that is, um, that is exciting news. Like, I hope that's encouraging to anyone out there who maybe has been dealing with any of what I just mentioned. I find there's not enough support for this age group. And so Mm -hmm. I've been diving in it with my own practice because I feel like Nashville does such a great job at supporting pregnant women and postnatal women. Yes, we are. And it's, I love it. It's lovely. It's wonderful. And there's so much support for that generation, but the mm-hmm. next, like the third age as they're now calling it the perimenopausal going into menopause. We don't yes. have enough support there. So I am right. really excited about supporting that age group and finding more providers that can help because it doesn't have to be this bloom and doom like you're saying. Right. Right. And, um, gosh, it, and, and I think the need is there. Like, I love what you just said. And the need is absolutely there because think of how many ladies, you know, or have worked with or have encountered. And it's just like, they feel tired and maybe they're like, maybe they think they're headed for menopause and they haven't had a period in seven months. And then next day the floodgates open and it's like, what the heck is going on? You know, Um, understand that may be a possibility. You may bleed more during perimenopause than you did during the last 18 years of your life. Yes. Yes. And it, um, you know, there's so much that I think there's, I I just want to encourage anyone who's in that season or feels frustrated because there's actually so much you can do to kind of help yourself and make that season of life less, less brutal, um, less of a roller coaster, um, through, you know, kind of taking control of your, your lifestyle and your habits and your environment. Um, and I would say that, you know, perimenopause looks different for pretty much everybody. Um, but yeah, I I would I would love to share one resource, and you may already be aware of her. And I mentioned her earlier, but Dr. Carrie Jones is, I mean, to me, she is just I she's such a valuable resource when it comes to talking about perimenopause. Um, she's very active on Instagram too, and so she's like at Dr. I think it's dot Carrie Jones. But anyway, you could you anyone who's listening could find her on there. And if you're not already following her, absolutely follow her because she does such a fantastic job with education. I mean. Um, it's, it's just, it's stuff you could apply immediately or you could bring to the attention of your provider. You know what I mean? Like I learn from her all the time and I'm the one often advising women. So, uh, she's just a wealth of information. I hope that, I hope that helps, um, yes. anyone out there. Definitely. Y'all go check her out. Dr. Carrie Jones. Okay. So, uh, stress. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So 
stress is something that affects us all, right? Um, mm -hmm. no, one, no one is immune to stress. Uh, it's a fact of life. I think that dialing in your preferred methods of stress management is critically important. Um, suppressing, suppressing something that upsets you, like say you had an interaction with someone that upsets you or the state of the world upsets you or whatever, and you don't let yourself like feel those things, um, choosing to suppress those is, is not the, the way to go. Uh, because what will happen is you get issues in your tissues, right? Um, so, you know, stress can look different. It can be like situations like I just said. It could be like a stealth infection, like a candida overgrowth, or maybe you have mycotoxicity from mold exposure. Um, there are, or, you know, dysbiosis of, of imbalanced gut flora. Like there are so many stressors that we are subject to in this, um, like in our modern world. And stress absolutely um, can, can thwart hormone balance. And so the reason I kind of mention all those different stressors is because I want you to just consider like, are those part of your story? You know what I mean? Are those, are you dealing with any of those? Because if you are, you want to address them. You do not want to just let them linger on, on untouched because you have less of a chance of maintaining or achieving hormone balance. If all of those things are just kind of lingering in your world. Um, so what happens or what can happen? Think about it. Like, um, I, I say this to my patients all the time, but like, I'm, I'm thinking about women of childbearing age when I say this, but, um, if you are running from a lion all the time, or you're upset about something all the time, your body is much less inclined to produce sex hormones. Um, it's, it's going to be trying to, to fuel you and, and make sure you have enough cortisol and make sure, you know, you're going to be cranking catecholamines, like the estrogen, the progesterone, um, even testosterone, DHEA, like that stuff is going to be kind of put on the back burner. And so it's critically important to be aware of the stressors in your life and start to kind of address those. Um, you know, I just to share a couple of tips, um, you know, if you find yourself just in a moment where you feel overwhelmed, uh, I'm a huge fan of like box breathing or four, seven, eight breathing. Have you, are you familiar with those? Amy? Yeah, yeah. Go through it for our listeners though. I okay. use it a lot so, with my clients. My, um, I, I tend to do box breathing myself. Um, so what you do is I, I tell people inhale through your nose for a count of four and then imagine drawing the top side of a box as you do that. So inhale through your nose, count of four. And then you're going to draw the downside. You're going to stay inhaled. So nothing changes. That's another count of four. Then you're going to exhale through your nose and you're drawing the bottom side of the box for a count of four. And then you stay exhaled and you're drawing the other side of the box. Um, so that's four counts of four. And with each, each count of four, you're drawing a side of the box. So if you can draw like three boxes, um, in whatever situation you find yourself in, like you will be shifting yourself into a more parasympathetically driven state, which is going to promote that rest, digest, reset situation as opposed to a sympathetically driven state, which is fight or flight. Um, most, most people, a lot of people are spending more time living in a sympathetically driven state, which is fight or flight, which is not what we were designed for. Um, and when we stay sympathetic, it does threaten our, our hormone balance. So, you know, if you want to really, really feel your best, um, just kind of dialing in and kind of accumulating different tools for managing stress is so important because you, that's something you're going to be needing to do the rest of your life. Um, and, and you want to do that because you want to protect 
your delicate hormone balance, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's important. I always tell everybody, acknowledge that you feel stressed. Yes. Step one, just acknowledge it. Okay, I'm feeling a little stressed. Check in with your body. See where you're clenching or tensing. Yes. Let that go. And then I love the box breathing because it's such a powerful visual. So it yes. really like connects you with your breath and your body. Mm -hmm. I love that. I so agree. I think too, like, I love what you said because I think it's so important to use the language like I am feeling stressed, mm -hmm. not I am stressed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like acknowledge whatever you're feeling. I think that's so important. I think um, especially as women too, for so long, it was like it wasn't okay to like do that. Mm -hmm. And now I, I am excited because I feel like there's this whole paradigm shift going on and it's like we're stepping up to take care of ourselves and it's exciting. Yeah. And everybody gets stressed. Life happens. Life's not yes. easy. We go through a pandemic, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh we don't. We have to stay there in that stress state. That's the important thing. But acknowledging it, we need to do yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So tell us. So that was a great tip for just kind of stress in general and calming our nervous system. But what are some other just general tips for hormone balance? Um, and just maintaining it. Yeah. Like recommendations. Okay. So you probably gathered this last time we talked, but I just think it is so critically important to get sunlight exposure every single morning, like within the half hour that you've woken up. Because what happens is, so you basically think of your eyes as windows, um, and then you have something in your skin called melanopsin. And think of these as like light receptors. You, you want to go outside, it doesn't matter how sunny or how cloudy it is, you want that light signal that comes from the sunlight because what it does is basically think of your eyes as windows again, enters your, enters your, um, basically your brain receives the signal and that kicks off your hormonal cascade for the day. So if you're not getting that signal, you can imagine that's a problem as far as like production goes, you know? Um, and that's not to say you can't achieve hormone balance, but like as far as like a tool that is, that is so powerful and critically important, I think getting, Sunlight exposure in the morning is so important. You need to um, expose your eyes and your bare skin. You don't need to stare at the sun. Just gaze in the direction uh, that the sunlight is. Uh, gaze towards it. Um, and it's free, you know? So anyone can do it. You just have to decide you're going to do it. You have to decide that that's part of your morning routine. But you want to do it. Reason being, it helps kick off that hormonal cascade. Um, so set yourself up, like kind of tee yourself up by getting morning sunlight. Um, now, outside of that, it's things that a lot of people, you know, you already know to do, but you want to drink plenty of water, right? You want to eat real food. You want to make sure you're getting plenty of those healthy fats. Um, you want to get moving every single day. You want to break a sweat. Uh, limit processed foods. Gosh, what else? Stay away from refined sugar. Um, pay, pay really close attention to uh, your environment. So, you know, air fresheners, like get those, get those synthetic things out of your home. Like you do not need Febreze in your car. You don't need it in your home. You don't need air wicks. Um, I, I'm a fan of like essential oils. You know what I mean? Essential oils, clean burning candles, that kind of stuff. Consider your personal care products. Um, use the skin deep database provided by the environmental working group, or you can use, um, Oh, there was another one, and I, I stopped using it, so I don't remember what it was called. There was an app, Think Dirty app. Yes. Um, yeah. Some people really like that app. So you can use Think Dirty app or Skin Deep database. Look up, like, your personal care products, so your makeup, your hair care, your skin care, um, and, you know, start to transition those to the cleanest, cleanest version you possibly can because there's so much 
there are so many endocrine disruptors in those things. Um, they are, they're really, really wrecking people's hormone balance. And you know, a lot of times people don't even realize it. Like you have your favorite body lotion from Bath and Body Works that you've used for 10 years. Oh my gosh, it's a chemical nightmare, you know, and you just had no idea because it smells pleasant and you love it, but we can get you a cleaner option and that's going to help support and maintain hormone balance for you. Um, so I'm a huge fan of just taking inventory of your personal care products. Use skin deep. I'm oh, sorry. I want to interject uh, flip-flops. This is yes. what I think of, but I've had people who just quit wearing cheap plastic flip-flops and felt better. I believe it. I believe it. And I've, I'm so glad you said that. You're kind of uh, getting me to where, what I was going to suggest next. Like plastic is a huge problem. Yes. Um, so flip-flops, like you said. Um, and, you know, you think about like I wore Old Navy brand flip-flops for years. Two dollars. Yeah. For years. Why not? I also had raging estrogen dominance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, connection. there is, I believe so. And you know, so think about, Oh, sorry. What? I just said, sorry, old name. I know. I know. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, but then, you know, you think about like, what are you drinking out of? So are you someone who drinks out of plastic bottles all day long? Um, you want to reconsider that. Like I really would encourage you to invest in a stainless or a glass or a ceramic, something that you can carry with you throughout the day. You can reuse and that way you're getting less exposure to those plastics. Um, I think that is just so important. And then you think about, you know, what are you storing your food in? Like you want to stay away from styrofoam. You want to stay away from plastic. If you can switch to all glass or stainless, um, ceramic, you know, those are going to be safer choices that are going to protect and promote hormone balance for you. So kind of went all over the map there. Sorry. No, I love that. I think there's simple suggestions that over time you can phase out the tough Yes. Way, you know, yes. it might take a couple of months, but every yes. time you lose something, replace yeah. it with glass. Yes. And that, and I love that you said that, like all those suggestions that I made, like I, I never, um, I tell people, you know, start where you start where you are, mm-hmm. baby steps. You have to crawl first and then eventually we'll walk and eventually we'll run. But like, Maybe you focus on tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and you're going to go outside. Like you just step outside. If you have a porch or a patio, um, if you stay out there, even a couple minutes is going to be better than not doing that at all. And maybe that's the only thing you focus on right now, but you focus on being consistent with it. That would be amazing. You'd be promoting hormone balance for yourself. Um, and then you, you start to look into, you know, you'll start to, if you are a person who you have tremendous hormone imbalance and you're just kind of dragging you got to start getting outside in the morning. That's where I would start. You will start to gradually have more energy. You will start to think more clearly just with doing that. And so you'll have more energy for taking inventory of personal care products or kitchen items or, you know, shopping differently with the grocery, with, with your groceries, that kind of thing. So it kind of, um, I want you to just consider building. I love how you said, you know, it doesn't need to be overnight. Yeah. Well, and this is the best time of year to step outside and get that early morning sunlight. Yes. Bring in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. What about winter? How do we do that if it's dark and gloomy? Do you have any suggestions? Oh, the winter time. Okay. So we're at, I believe we're at like the 37th latitude. It's tough um, up here. It's really tough. I still tell people step outside every single morning. Um, But a lot of times people are getting up. It's still dark. You know what I mean? Like people will be like, Sarah, I'm up the sun. So I say when the sun comes up, then you step outside. But, um, I, I encourage people to use like light therapy. Okay. Um, so I do have, I I have a, I think the brand is Lomix. I can't remember. Um, I could tell you, but you know, those lamps that are like 10,000 lux and even red light therapy. Um, so like juve is a popular one. 
uh, I can't remember the other brand, but anyway, light therapy, just having that at home, it, it's a good idea because we're far enough. I mean, we're not terribly far north, but we're far enough north that it's really difficult to get the sunlight that we, we need um, during those winter months. So that's why I think you see so many people around here with like seasonal affective disorder type feeling. Um, I know I deal with it and it's awful. <laughs> yeah, we all love the sun. Mm-hmm. Okay, I hate to wrap it up because I could literally talk about this. I know, I love this stuff. I'm looking at the time and I know people don't listen to podcasts for an hour and a half. So um, any last, anything you definitely want to get out there before we go? You just think it's so important for people to hear. We've covered Um, so many gems here. We really did. I just, I just want to encourage anyone who's listening. um, If any of this resonated with you, you know, start asking questions. Um, Don't accept that just feeling lousy is like a fact of life or a fact of aging. Like I want you to reject that because something is going on and it's likely correctable um, or you could at least improve it. And you know, you matter and you deserve to feel well on a day-to-day basis. So it's worth, it's worth taking the time to ask the question and partner with a provider who is going to help you, you know, investigate and, and look into these kind of things. Um, and just know that, you know, yeah, maybe you, Maybe you're in your 40s and you've gone to a doctor your entire life and you've been well cared for, but this is not part of traditional workup. So you want to you want to look into it. And um, uh, yeah, I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you to be curious and and seek it out. I think that's awesome. Yeah, you matter, and you know your health is the primary importance. Really, if you yes. don't have that, you don't have anything. So yes, and and I would add. Um, there's not a person who is unaffected by what their hormones are doing. So hormone imbalance is very common. Uh, so you have a, if you have a hunch that you're dealing with it, you probably are. Let's investigate and let's correct what we need to correct so you can feel great and just be empowered to stay feeling great long-term. Awesome. Okay. So how do people get in touch with you if they want to know more about their hormones? Okay. So, um, if you, so I am on Instagram at refinery wellness TN, um, and then if you want to contact me directly, the best way right now is through email. So that's hello at refinerywellnesstn.com. My website is refinerywellnesstn.com. And then my phone number is 615-457-8224. So any of those methods. Awesome. And she puts it, I said this before last time she was on, but she puts a ton of educational stuff on her Instagram. So please follow her there. You will learn so much. And it's pretty. Thank you. And oh, thank you. And I've been learning from you too. I love yours as well. Thank you for saying that though. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest again. I I greatly appreciate everything you bring every single time. I can't wait to have you back on, honestly. Thank you so much, Amy. This is fun. So I I just thank you for inviting me back on. I had a blast and um, enjoyed discussing this topic. So thank you. You're so welcome. All right, listeners, hope everybody has a wonderful week. Please keep bringing suggestions to me. I just want to thank you all so much for continuing to support me and to continue to listen. And I just appreciate and love all the messages and um, requests. I love it when people tell me providers they want to hear or topics they want to hear. So keep those coming. Have a great week.